Hey, hey, church fam, welcome to the fourth episode of the No Man's Land podcast. I am Travis Pauly, your host. This episode, I got to sit down with my coworker and friend, Matt Mead. Matt is our family life minister at McDermott. He is a wonderful Bible class teacher and preacher as well. In fact, you can find many of his classes on our McDermott Road YouTube channel, so check those out. What can I say about Matt Mead? Well, getting to work with Matt, I can say one of the best things about him is that he brings a calming and fun presence to the office. Whether it's a hard day or a stressful one, Matt Mead's going to be calm, cool, and collected. One of the things Matt and I get into in this episode is about how church isn't always easy. Uh, working together as Christians uh, for the goal and the mission of the church isn't always easy. And as I reflected on our conversation and the things that we talked about around those subjects, it struck me how much easier it is when you have someone like Matt to work alongside to keep things fun and to keep things calm and focused on the mission. I really hope you enjoy this conversation that I got to have with Matt, and I hope I'll see you next week for my conversation with my dad. So come back for that. So you... How long have you been with McDermott? Over eight years, full time. Eight years? Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, my I interned here in 2012. That's right. And then I went back for my senior year at Harding, and then I had come back under the assumption of working here for a year mm. uh, yeah. as they search for a youth minister. Right. And then about a quarter of the way into that year, made it official so nice. I mean, i've been here continuously since may of 13. okay man so, so that's yeah because you've been here because my family got here around fall of 13 so yeah you've been here yeah right at the same time right about the same time that's interesting and you grew up in fort worth in fort worth area. and you you've always been Are in we church on right now? yeah oh i'm sorry i, I like to glide that. okay well, i like to can... glide right in we but um, I might. I, who knows what the edit point I'll I'll pick okay. up at. But um, no, yeah, I was thinking about um, one of the things that has made me kind of want to do a podcast like this, kind of like we were talking about at lunch, like the brothers keepers type thing. The you know the the maybe the lack of like. You know, you, you come in here on a Sunday morning and you look at, you know, there's plenty of people that I know, but I really, it's more like I know of. Sure. You know, and maybe we've had passing conversations and, I mean, I've known you now for pretty well for the last couple of years, but I look across, you know, the auditorium and it's like, man, I know a little bit about everybody, but, you, you know, unless you really get to sit down with somebody, like their Christian story sure, is can be a complete mystery to you. And so, and, and I was thinking about, trying to think through what could be some of the like the the consequences of not knowing somebody's story how they came to Christ why they came to Christ why they stay with Christ why they continue to be a Christian and like and again unless you know them very well you might not be getting the full picture about that you might just and and even if you do know people well you might even have just bits and pieces sure Um, so I was kind of looking for a way to like have those conversations and then you know why not why not do it for 
for a crowd for sure sure for a virtual audience but um yeah so you you grew up in the church yeah i grew up uh, always going to church um can't really remember I mean, we didn't have a time in which we didn't go consistently yeah. so um, grew up in the fort worth area i guess it three different churches really um but from fifth grade on we lived in north richland hills and went to the college hill church there and yeah um it's where my brother preaches now and uh, my dad's a shepherd there and so oh wow um yeah it's been uh you know we lived five houses down from the building and so it was just kind of our yeah old neighborhood church and a great place to grow up for sure that's awesome and so your brother steven uh-huh. right? how long has he been preaching there He's been preaching there since May of 15, so okay. over six years now. So Wow, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's been really good. He spoke uh, during our summer series, during the COVID times. He did, uh, the, yeah, he turned in a, or he did a video during the COVID deal. That's and he's, right. He's been here one other time, one of the years that we did the live summer series, yeah. so it's always fun to have him come over and do that. I've I got to go over and speak. And do that there once or twice. And That's cool. It's always fun to go home and and do that. So. So did you know when did you when did you know you wanted to be in ministry? Is that something you went to college with it in mind? You know, I I had always really enjoyed uh, youth ministry things growing up. I was blessed with uh, a good youth group experience. My youth group was not near as big as as this one. We yeah. had I think when Same. I was in high school we had like about 20 some odd kids um but like 15 16 of those were guys <laughs> so uh, we we did a lot of fun uh guy things together but yeah. um yeah that was good and so back in my mind i always enjoyed youth ministry and you know started off majoring in bible but ended up um with a bible degree but also had some business training as well so I had a business degree and um mm. uh, intended to just be a volunteer in in churches and yeah uh ended up getting the internship here and uh really enjoyed it and you know god has a funny way of changing your plans for sure so i think that's kind of that's a uh, it's kind of a common story that nobody comes here in a common way like nobody comes to ministry in a in in the same way and and i i don't know I know a handful of people where I've talked to them you know, ministers where it's like no that's always what they knew they wanted to do but I think so many people it's like you know as opportunities come along and then you see where where you have an opportunity to um, where it's 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 not just a good opportunity for you but it's a good opportunity for you to make an impact and make you know it's it's for your unique skill set and did you kind of feel like that coming to McDermott Road because at the time it, I from what I remember, would have looked very different. Yeah, you know, one of the things I always enjoyed about, you know, those first couple years at McDermott Road was, you know, I would say I always experienced being in a healthy church Mm -hmm. growing up, but I wouldn't say it was like, and this is not a a slight, I wouldn't say it was a church that necessarily had a forward-looking vision, you know, about, you know, McDermott Road had this church plan DNA. I had the right. blessing of living with James and Deborah when I interned. And, you know, That's James right. is a guy who, you know, is very passionate about 
you know, talking about the role of the church in the community and yeah. is a very creative guy. And so uh, I always appreciated, you know, the church's desire to uh, try new things and to step out there and to to really think about, hey, where are we going to be in five years? Where are we going to be in 10 years? You know, how yeah. are we going to continue growing here? And that was an experience that I had not had in, in churches growing up. And right. so um, I kind of have a little bit of a entrepreneurial bent. And so, yeah. you know, just that, that whole mix of, hey, we're going to approach the gospel not only in a a way that's healthy, but in a way that's strategic and mm. and seeking to make an impact that really appealed to me. And then, of course, just, um, you know, great families and great students and, yeah. um, you know, fell in love with the group of kids there and at the time. And, um, you know, I, I enjoy all the different parts that I get to do in my job, but, you know, I still have a heart for yeah doing stuff with, with the teens. I enjoy that for sure. So what would you say? Cause I, I got to go with the youth on the 2019 South Texas trip. And that was, I grew up at a small church in Michigan and kind of like you said, very small. I mean, youth group experience was entirely different. There was, there was no structure, which had its pros and cons. Sure. Like I was like, when I got in like my senior year, I was me and a buddy were kind of the ones that were like, Hey, let's go do this. There wasn't necessarily a leader, um, you know, from the from the church per se, and cer- certainly not a staff position. It was just, and then coming down here, it's just like night and day difference um, to the organization of it, and and so that was like getting to be on that trip was unlike anything I'd ever experienced. Um, and what would you? Well, I was thinking about like what would you say is like your your favorite thing about working with kids. You know, I think for me, like, you know, there are people that are are just naturally gifted pastorally or they're just, you know, above and beyond just teachers and communicators and stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, for me, I, I really enjoy, you know, the one-on-one connection. I mean, yeah. I enjoy... I enjoy that, um, but I really enjoy the group time. Like, mm. I mean, I'm always drawn to the trips because we have big groups and just, you know, I I love watching the kids worship. You know, I love uh, watching them interact with each other. That's one of my favorite things about the environments that we try to create on trips. We try not to overschedule. You know, yeah. we try to leave uh, quite a bit of uh, leeway for the spontaneous and those organic interactions yeah, yeah. That, that's when it's always the funnest i mean right the games or things you think that are going to hit and be memorable and make a difference yeah. they never are they're always forced you know it's always the thing that somebody else comes up with in the spur of the moment right you know, starts raining and you're out there playing kickball in the mud or something <laughs> you know that's the thing that everybody yeah. will remember as the great youth group memory versus all the pre-planned things so right. you know I, I really enjoy being a part of those moments for sure yeah I think about how one of the things that's so nice about youth group and uh, you know as a kid growing up in that is you know like you said there's all these spontaneous things that can happen on those trips and at those youth activities that you know you don't plan for but then the, you know and then maybe you do plan for some time to have a devo to do you know you know some 
church specific things. But I think maybe the best thing is that it's all included. You know, it's all one thing and that you're doing this with your church. You're doing this with fellow Christians. You know, you're seeing your friends get baptized along, you know, you know, before and after you. And, and, um, and, and even if that's not a decision you make when you're in youth group, you've had that base. You've had that base of, of Christian interaction for a long, you know, potentially a long time growing up. And then one of the things that's, that's come up a couple of times in these conversations is then you get out of, really, you get out of high school and it changes. It changes drastically. And I think that can probably vary by church. You know, I, I you know, in, in the college towns, there's always, you know, really strong campus ministries and things like that. But it is, it, it, it doesn't, you know, it looks very different for a lot of reasons, probably. It looks sure. very different after you leave after you leave high school um, because you don't have as much of like a lot of times you're doing just church specific things from then on out it's not as much a mix of just I mean really just life like those spontaneous things that can happen what do you why do you think that is I think that's one of the great you know philosophical questions about youth ministry in general is you know you want to create an environment that is that hits teens where they are in that particular moment, mm. but you also don't want to make it so unlike, you know, the life that happens in the church for adults that right. that, that transition is such a gap. And, yeah. and that's something, you know, admittedly that, you know, I think across the board, churches are having to go back to the drawing board on and really look at, yeah. okay, have we have we in some way unintentionally made that transition harder in some ways? Right. And I think also a piece of that though is if you sit down with any parent and you talk about what they want for their kids' faith development, you mm-hmm. know, it's things like service opportunities and retreats and, um, you know, quiet time and, and, you know, just all those various things. But then, those are some things that if you were to say, well, how is adult church, quote unquote, structured? Right. We value all those things in theory, but, you know, we're then too busy for them, right? right. We're willing to make the emphasis for, oh, our kids need to go do those things. Yeah. But, you know, hey, I can't make time for the men's retreat mm-hmm. or, you know, I can't, you know, get a small group together or I can't. Right. You know, I can't imagine taking a week off of work to go do anything, but I want my kid to do five weeks in the summertime, summertime, right? Like, I mean, we value it all on some level. Right. um, But some of that disconnect is there because the values that we see that are influential to faith development are missing for a large cross-section of church life. And, And not much of that is intentional. Uh, it's not some nefarious thing right, by right. any means, but yeah. it's just, you know, it's just figuring out a a way to, you know, incorporate all those different things that we know are important for faith development throughout the, you know, the faith journey. I mean, Eugene Peterson is credited with coming up with a great definition of faith. That it's a long obedience in the same direction, right? Mm, um, that's you good. know, just this idea that you know, we're constantly growing and constantly, you know, seeking to be more Christ-like each and every day. And, and that journey shouldn't have these, you know, super segmented areas, right? There's always thresholds to cross. There's right. always 
next steps and next life stages. But, you know, the values and the things that we know are faith producing or at least faith stimulating or challenging. Those are the same. Yeah. No matter your age. And so, you know, I think some of the times when kids are like, I really feel like something's missing or I'm struggling to to get involved in this particular area, you know, a question may be, you know, a little bit aimed towards structure a little bit. And, and, and that's something that of course is hard to scale, but, but is worth thinking about and talking about. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that idea of, of getting involved. I think that's probably something a lot of us are struggling with, especially now on the other side of, well, you know, sorry, on the other side of a pandemic. Um, and, and, you know, certainly the, the, the worst of it being the lockdowns in terms of what we're talking about, the lockdowns and just not having as many activities going on. And I, I, you know, that's, that's another thing I've been thinking about is, you know, how do, how do we revitalize that involvement? How do we revitalize that desire to serve? You know, uh, one of the things I was thinking about, uh, is and I think about a lot now is you know we used to do that concurrent service in the mm-hmm. fellowship hall and one time you know must have been a couple years back because we haven't done it in a while but um I was worshiping in there with uh with my family it's just a few families in there small space and uh the Lord's Supper uh, came around and up until that point and you know in, in that structure of that service Lord's Supper was more towards the end and at, up until that point I had been completely distracted I wasn't I mean, worship was the last thing on my mind. I was just completely zoned out. But when the Lord's Supper came around, I noticed while the guy was doing the, the talk before the bread, I noticed that there was only one brother up to, to serve the plates. Mm. So I, you know, just without thinking, hop up and grab a plate. And then all of a sudden I noticed, oh, I'm, I'm paying attention now. I'm locked in. I'm, I'm listening to what he's saying. I'm starting to prepare myself for the Lord's Supper like I should have been doing. And I think about that a lot because I think, you know, the, the opportunity to serve, you know, we talk about it a lot. Like there is a, there's a reciprocal part. Like it's not only are you doing something that can help other people, but you're doing something that, you know, it, it does have a way of, you know, making you connect and making you focused and making you, I mean, quite frankly, just care more about what's going on. And obviously, you know, I think about Paul saying, well, not everybody can be, you know, not everybody can speak when you come together. Not everybody can, you know, can have that level of involvement when you come together. Um, but I, th- it, it has made me think about, well, if we're not, if we're not all engaged on some level in a way that we feel like not only am I focused for my own benefit that, I, you know, that I'm going to get a lot out of this, but I, but the thing that makes me do that is while I'm being of service, I'm, 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 I'm a part of this. I'm not just, I'm not just sitting in the seat consuming church. I'm, I'm a part of it in some way. And I think that that probably looks different for everybody, but, you know, I do think about, you know, how do we, especially on the other side of a time where I think that was, I think that was a struggle for a lot of people feeling like they were consuming and partially just because there wasn't a lot of other options for, for how to, how to church (laughs) other than that yeah you know i think when it comes to engagement and involvement and and incorporating 
online like you know right. that that's a whole bigger thing that we're all still learning on the fly totally. right um yeah. on what uh on how we engage folks that are a part of our online community because we do have a growing online community we really do yeah. and there's there's a lot of questions about just what all that means and, right. and how that looks and how that connects to mcdermott uh but in terms of our in-person you know groups that you know i think there's a couple of things that you know we we want to stress but we don't always communicate is you know not only do we want to engage you in and what we're trying to plan and what we have going on and and things like sunday service and those things right. but you know really we also want to empower in the sense that mm. um you know some of the best ministry ideas or some of the things that we see um you know thrives a good example you know that yeah. as a member generated idea and yeah. it's been something that has not only had an impact with the people that it's served but it's had a sustaining impact as a way for others to serve oh right? yeah yeah um but those are the kind of things like i feel like sometimes um you know just because we might not communicate it as much you know we want people to know that if they've got an idea and they've got a passion for something like uh you know more often than not the answer is going to be yeah how can we help you let's with give that? it a try right? yeah you know i mm -hmm. mean there's always going to be the occasional circumstance that, you know, it might just be a timing thing or something that it might not be able to to work out in, in a particular scenario. But more often than not, that's not the case, right? right. Um, and so, you know, I think that is an opportunity for increased involvement is is by, you know, member-driven initiatives. And, and we would love to see that happen. I think uh, in addition to that, you know, especially when we're all coming back together, mm. you know, I think there's, I think we're all tired on a certain level. I think we're all been stressed to the max. It's a good way to put it. Sustained stress for yeah. a period of time on some level. And I think there's a little bit of a prevailing thought and that, oh, somebody else is going to do it. Right. You know, I mean, I think sometimes like, you know, we can kind of talk across each other. Mm. You know, there will be folks that will say, hey, we need more things to do. And and we'll be saying, hey, we have things right. for you to do. And, and maybe it's a matter of, you know, rethinking other ways to get people involved. But I think right. that, that sometimes, you know, it it's a matter of just aligning people with their passions and, and their spiritual giftedness first and foremost. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also, you know, one of the things we really try to stress on our mission trips and, and, and different things is this language and, and we can always improve with it too. But sometimes, you know, when we're constructing groups, you know, it's always really hard to put people in groups for different mm -hmm. activities. And sometimes you'll come up to a student and you'll be like, I put you in this group because I think this is an area in which you're going to thrive and excel and this will be a way for you to harness and use your spiritual gift. Yeah. And sometimes you'll come up to a student and you'll be like, this week I put you in this group because I think this is going to be tough for you. Mm. I think this is going to stretch you, but I think you're going to learn something about yourself and hopefully learn something about God this week. Mm. And I think sometimes when it comes to our service, like, 
you know, I think we've got to have a blend of both, right? right? We've got to be seeking opportunities that we know are in line with our natural giftedness, but we also have to be seeking opportunities that are going to put us out of our comfort zone, not only for our own growth, but, mm. you know, it. it's often a witness to others when you see folks that are taking on something that, you know, might not be there. <laughs> right. Something you would you know, naturally assume that would be of comfort for them. You know, like, um, you know, I think about, you know, sometimes in the children's area, like, I mean, this is still my example of where I am. Like I enjoy working with, with the younger kids, but I'm still not very good at it. Yeah. Like, you know, every time Chris and I are signed up to teach and, and we try to do that, you know, as often as we can. And, but every time I'm in there with those younger kids, like I'm still learning how to do that. I'm very comfortable teaching teens. I'm pretty comfortable teaching adults, but I'm not real comfortable teaching third and fourth graders. Yeah. But I learn something from that every time. Right. And By pushing yourself and challenging yourself. Yeah, and that's not pointing anything towards me. I'm just using an example from my own experience. Oh, no, yeah. You know, would I be much more comfortable staying in the modular and, and, you know, teaching the teen class, sure, but yeah. but I learned something way different by doing that from time to time. You know. Well, that's such a good example because you know another concept I've been thinking about, yeah, you know, and especially in the wake of of a lot of the things that have happened, and and then just the the things going on in our culture, where's the where there's this tendency to call out and chastise. I've been thinking about the concept of chastise versus chastise or chastise versus challenge. Mm. And so like challenge is an invitation. Sure. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's an encouragement. You know, I think of Barnabas, I think of, um, you know, that's probably, I would imagine that would be something he was really good at is, you know, I could come down on you right now, but instead I'm going to, I want to invite you into, you know, like, you know, almost like a, you can give me more than that. You, you can give God more than that. And, and it's, it's not so much a put down, it's not so much a, you know, finger wag as it is a, an invitation to do more, to be better, to, and I think, you know, you're talking about, talking about getting involved and how, like, the landscape has changed. I was thinking about, you know, even like thinking about the Lord's Supper. Well, there's a service opportunity that, you know, again, because of the way things have gone, isn't even available. And that's, I mean, that was like, you know, there were a good 20, 25 guys each service that, you know, that would that would do that. And now we've we've got the uh, Marcus taught me the term rip and sips. <laughs> I really like that. Yeah, that's a- he taught us that on the podcast even. Um, but yeah, I think about how even though the you know to go back to something you said towards the beginning, the you know even though the landscape of involvement and opportunities is ever changing as it as it just always has been. Um, the values stay the same, you know, and the importance of keeping those first and foremost in our minds. I think that's getting, that's getting really hard. And I'm sure on some level it always has been to carry those values forward, regardless of what's happening and what kind of opportunities there are to, you know, express and carry out those values. But it, it, I mean, do you feel that, that it's like, it's, it's maybe it's, it feels harder now than it did two years ago. I mean, I think a large part of that is, you know, expanding our our field of vision around what it means to be 
a part of a church, mm. right? And and so like, you know, Wes has done a really good job talking about this, but it's just the idea that, especially in a church this big, if we limit our frame of service and involvement to the two or three hours that we have here a oh, week, yeah. like, I mean, it's very difficult to get involved and be plugged in. Oh, and also you're expecting that to be the time in which you're being fed mm-hmm. spiritually. And so, you know, it's broadening, you know, the perspective of this is a part of how I'm being fed. This is a part of how I'm serving. Right. And some of the best advice I got early on in, in ministry was like sunny mornings and, and Wednesday nights and different things. Like you're going to have so much on your mind. Mm-hmm and different things and you're going to be in social situations that yes, I get fed during Wes's sermon and during different classes, but on some level I'm distracted. Right. right? And yeah, so yeah. I have to supplement that during my week. Right. You know, yeah. I've got two other churches that I'm a part of their online community on Mondays. Like, you know, yeah. it's, that's just a good it's thing a good for me practice. that I know Hey, every Monday, I'm not going to watch the whole service potentially, but I'm going to listen to the sermon, you know, and, right. and, and that's something that, you know, is an addition to what I'm getting from here. But when it comes to service, like I sometimes have to look for service opportunities outside of here because while I'm here, I'm often directing people to serve right? instead yeah. of like, you know, I need that opportunity to do the, you know, like when I have teens out on a job site or whatever, like a lot of times, like, you know, I'm pushing them to pick up <laughs> the garbage right. or pushing them to put some sweat equity in mm-hmm. and, sweat equity. and not that I'm not trying to do it with them in that moment. But a lot of times it's from a empowerment, from a leadership position to where sometimes I need to find areas where I'm totally anonymous. Nobody knows who I am, you right. know, and I just need to serve. Mm-hmm. And for me, a lot of those have to happen outside of the context of McDermott Road because of my position here. So. Right. Like, you know, I think we're all just thinking broader about my entire week is a canvas for being fed and a canvas for serving. And, you know, as many of those things that that I can do in addition to what is happening here, like it's all for the kingdom. Right. Right. And so I think sometimes it helps like to expand our field a little bit. I mean, I really like that, though, the the idea of because you I mean, you just said something that reminded me so much of things we see in the new Testament and the, the, you know, whether it's Christ talking or Peter or Paul uh, talking about the Christian mission and how we do have different roles. You're talking, you were talking about, you know, because of your position here, a lot of times that's you helping others serve. And then, you know, but then you find the importance of putting yourself in the serving position, like in the, you know, more on the, on the ground level position at other times. It's like, I think that's, again, that just harkens to mind so many different passages in the New Testament, that idea of, you know, sometimes you're going to be in the position of a leader, sometimes you're going to be in the position of, uh, you know, and sometimes you could always be in that position if you wanted it, but the importance of taking an opportunity to put yourself at the at the lowest rung or, or you know, it, it just, I want to, you know, like you said, the, I like you used the word sweat equity. Um, <laughs> that we all we all we all have the need to break a sweat now and then you know whether it's doing you know hard work and actually breaking a sweat or just doing something that you know there's not 
there's not there's not going to be uh you know maybe an obvious reward for me other than other than the reward of putting in a sweat for sure. for Jesus you know for 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 the church yeah it's one of those things that you know you know just that example but it's true across so many different ones like you know we think about just how god is such a incredible creator mm. of like you know even the task of serving even in the worst ways sometimes like is so restorative to you like yeah. you know painting a house in the hot sun that can be a miserable thing mm. but god designed us in a way that you know without fail every time you get a good sweat in you feel better yeah <laughs> you know your mind is clear right. you're less stressed you're more able to be engaged afterwards mm -hmm. you know and people you know will sometimes you know think you know hey they'll put that value in in something else some you know meditation or whatever well you know right. it all goes back to god's design mm -hmm. whatever you call it like you know and and sometimes you know there are added benefits to serving in that way but i mean there's a lot of service that doesn't you know isn't sweat equity but that's right. one of the cool things about about that particular one is it does have some immediate blessings for you from a restorative really standpoint yeah um but you're also blessing others and you know one of the things that you know just shows you know the difficulty of any scenario that we're in because we're humans is you know Anytime we go work with somebody, you'll have to give the reminder not only to yourself, but to the people that you're working on a team with that, like when you're painting a house, hey, when the homeowner comes out of the house, yeah, stop what you're doing and key into the homeowner. Right. Right. But, you know, that's just our our mindset sometimes that we're so task oriented. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm going to paint this house for that person. But I didn't talk but that's to that's what I'm doing. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, exactly. it's like, I'm here today. I, have, to I definitely have a tendency to do that. Um, but that can happen in church, you know, things too. Like, I mean, yeah. somebody has their role that, hey, they're such and such for this congregation that it pulls them unintentionally out of the life of that congregation. Yeah. Right. Like, mm. you know, I'm Mr. Communion guy. I get all the communion servers but I didn't talk to anybody here right. today because I was getting all the communion servers. And that's not, that's just an example. Like, no, it's a good, I think that's but, a good thing to think about though. But that can happen too. So, I mean, yeah. it's just a, you're just trying to integrate service as an intentional value, but also make it happen within the life cycle of, of faith. And, you know, in a perfect world, it, it isn't a silo, you know, it is a, an outpouring of, you know, the spirit and, and an outpouring of you know what you're pursuing in terms of kingdom discipleship yeah because i think what you're talking about about like sort of diversifying your range of opportunities that you have to serve and uh i'm going to use the phrase again i keep using it do church mm. um you know in, in different ways i think it also seems to me that that would be kind of a good antidote to something like burnout because I think a lot of times you know, we talk about burnout sometimes related to like jobs or sure. you know things like that but I think I mean I think I've we've all probably seen and maybe experienced on some level Christian burnout and sure. just church burnout and, sure. and I think that idea that you know giving yourself a lot of different opportunities 
different ways to serve. I like following other churches and seeing what they're doing. Just if, if for no other reason than to, you know, you're getting more Bible that, you know, that's not going to be a bad thing. And then you're also getting another perspective on, you know, the church at large, not just the congregation that, that you're committed to working with, which I think can be, can be really good. Cause I think, you know, another one of the things I, I've been thinking about a lot is, is that burnout and that, you know, that I've seen happen a lot with, with folks in, in church and, um, you know, the, the church I grew up at, there was, you know, there was a fair amount of division, uh, during that time. And, um, and it, you know, I, I, I have to watch because that was something that happened when I was a kid. I have to watch even today how that affects the way I think about my faith and my, you know, my walk with, with, uh, with other Christians and with the, with congregation and with the church at large. And just, you know, because I think that burnout and that, you know, when you're, when you're so, when you're committed to one thing in one area, you know, if you're doing, like you said, you know, if you're, you know, you've got a role at church, but that's all you do. Like you don't, you don't give yourself opportunities to step outside that, you know, even just to have a conversation with somebody, you know, before church starts or afterwards, um, you may be, you know, you're, you're pouring yourself into something. And then when that starts to get taxing, that's all you got. Like that's, you, you just, you, you know, you, you almost feel like there's now there's no other choice and you're past the point of motivation to do anything else, you know? So again, I, I'm thinking about that idea of giving yourself a diverse range of opportunities to serve and to be a part of Christian life in all the various ways that that can manifest itself is, is probably a pretty good antidote to that. And that feeling like, you know, just feeling bogged down, feeling like maybe you're not making as big of an impact as you should be. I think that's probably something that, that a lot of, a lot of us Christians feel that, you know, we're not, we're putting, maybe, maybe we are putting in the work, but we, we don't feel like it's doing what it should be doing. We don't feel like it's, um, maybe we don't feel like it's our calling or, um, I think, I think I've seen that a lot in, in Christians and, and after having the opportunity to worship at a lot of different congregations over the years, you know, and, and I think I, I'm thinking about it a lot more now because of everything that's happened and the, you know, the, I, I worry a lot about the consumeristic, you know, that's something West talks, West talks about. I know we've had conversations a lot about, you know, the consumeristic aspect of church and just, you know, the, the temptation to just, you know, like you, you were talking about earlier, just sort of feed your own spiritual needs. But then it's like every time I've done that, and that's all I've all I'm doing for my church, for my church experience is just I'm just here to feed my own spiritual needs. It's like that's it's never enough. It's it's like you can you can do that till the cows come home, and it won't feel like it's doing anything because it isn't it isn't the full scope of of Christian living. You know, one of the you know, to that point, one of the probably most appropriate synonyms for the word disciple is apprentice. Mm. And, you know, even within that change of phrase you or change of word, um, you recognize some level of it is a learn 
and do right and learn and do and learn and do and learn and do and then teach somebody else to do mm-hmm. while you're still learning to do like you know it's a you should always have somebody who's pouring into you and somebody you're pouring into right mm, I like um, that. you know it's that commitment to to learning and and helping others grow at the same time yeah um, you know a phrase that has been impactful to me is the phrase um, to do ministry from a blessing and not for a blessing mm. and that's hard to do sometimes and it's hard to serve that way sometimes because we're all doing ministry whether we right you know are doing it in a, a formal way or not um, whatever that means but um, you know we if we're looking for something else from it instead of doing it out of what we know that Jesus has already done for us mm-hmm. it's always going to be unfulfilling yeah. on a certain level well you're never going to feel like you're doing enough sure because, you can't do yeah, enough you can't do enough and, and that's part of the lesson to learn too I mean I think you know there are there are plenty of service things that may be the main takeaway at the end of the experience is, hey, I really missed the point in that. <laughs> you know, like, you know, I tried to play the role of provider or mm. I tried to insert some level of control uh, into this situation or I, um, in my mind, created a I'm not like them yeah. scenario. Right. And, and maybe... You know, as you're driving home from whatever you're doing, that realization coming to your mind or your heart on some level yeah. is what you were meant to learn that day. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you only know that by by getting out there and doing it. Um, That's true. You know, there have been plenty of opportunities over the years where, you know, I've gone away from something and be like, man, I really missed the point in that. I did it, but, uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't have my heart in the right place when I did it. Um, but coming to that level of awareness mm-hmm. is a part of growth. Right. And, well, like uh, you said, you're, you're probably not going to figure that out unless you do it. Right. You yeah. know, I, I remember at one time, I, for a long time, I was very cynical about mission trips. Not not all mission trips, but the, there was like a – sometimes I'd you know, there'd be a group going from some college thing I was doing or whatever, and – and it was like the like at the end of the day there always had to be the pitch of like to get people to go you know you'll get the warm fuzzy feeling and i and i always had this sense of like well that's not what it's supposed to be about you know but then over time i started realizing well wouldn't it be better to help people and then figure that out that oh it wasn't about me you know maybe you realize that on the way home maybe you didn't get that while you were there but you still help people, you know, you still have the opportunity to meet new people and have new experiences. And, um, you know, so like you said, even if that's the lesson you got to learn, it's like still doing it and learning the lesson is better than, than not, not doing it and not having the opportunity to mess up. And that's one of the great stories that, you know, I wish had more, details on as you mentioned Barnabas earlier but yeah. the whole oh yeah Barnabas Paul John Mark <laughs> yeah. you know thing like I mean they're learning through serving as they're going right mm-hmm. 
and you know there's never a a blueprint or a map for certain situations and i think that is hopefully something that we've all been reminded of the last couple of years and yeah and you know that's the same for for any type of service or leadership like you know you go into it with a certain idea in your mind and and sometimes the outcome is different than you intended it to be and sometimes that's for better sometimes that's for worse like but you only know by doing it right um there is no there is no way to to have the outcome assured before doing something that requires no faith right that's certainty Hmm. um right and so that is always going to be embedded in true service is an act of stepping out there and not knowing how it's going to go um that has to be there for it to be an act of faith for sure yeah and, and you know to that point too and thinking about that paul and barnabas story i think about i've been trying to think about the difference between like conflict and division because mm-hmm. i mean we're talking about unity i think the church at, at large just is talking about that for very good reason um you know with the last year and a half but i think sometimes I know the impulse I have is, okay, in the name of unity, then, you know, not talk about what we disagree on, not talk about, you know, you know, maybe, maybe Paul and Barnabas keep going on the trip, even though apparently they were at odds about something that, that was, you know, made them upset enough that they needed to to split for a while. And the difference between like, you know, I mean, kind of like what you're saying about the mission trip, I think about how sometimes you have the conflict and you realize, oh, well, we're a lot tougher than we thought. <laughs> like, I didn't think we'd be able to handle it, but actually, no, we're, we, we can, and it's painful. But, you know, I, I remember, you know, I think about the church I was growing up as, uh, at as a kid. A lot of the conflict that came about was it, was, it was conflict that stayed quiet and under the rug for too long. <laughs> and then when it finally came out, it, it wasn't conflict. It was just division. I mean, that's all it, it, it kind of seemed like that was the only way it could happen at that point whereas you know I think we've all had an instance that we've probably all been called out for something or you know had a had an uncomfortable Christian conversation at one point in time and it's like it's not fun it's not fun to initiate it's not fun to be the recipient or 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 both Um, but then you figure out oh we're tougher than we look you know (laughs) tougher than we thought we were yeah, no, I think that's definitely true. I think, um, you know, the Bible is very, very clear about mm-hmm. perseverance and yeah. about, you know, the difficulties of discipleship. But oftentimes we view that in the individual message, right? Right. When, you know, most of those references he's writing to a community. Yeah. And we often view it as my perseverance instead of our perseverance Mm. and it really is an our perseverance and you know i i'm not a (laughs) i'm not a languages scholar by by any means but you know my texas uh word replacement for the somewhat antiquated phrase in the fruits of the spirit for long suffering Mm -hmm. is the word grit Mm. like i think there's a spiritual grittiness that comes from God that that is the result of not just sticking your heels in the ground out of necessarily being 
stubborn for the purpose of being stubborn. Right. But sticking your heels in the ground saying, I love this group of people enough that even though it's really not pleasant at the yeah. moment, <laughs> you know, I'm going to stay here. Yeah. And we're going to figure out a way to work through it. Like, you know, that's a spiritual value in and of itself. And it's a spiritual value that requires some longer frame perspective, right? Um, Because the short-term solution doesn't always embody the long-term value, right? Right. And sometimes we need the bigger sense of perspective um, because that's just a part of being in a community. It it mirrors a family in that way. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, you know it. It uh, it requires some grit to be bonded with anybody. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it yeah. just does. So, but I like that idea of grit. I like I like that word replacement too. That it's, you know, like you said, it's the decision that I'm. You know, even though it might be unpleasant, it might be. You know, I mean, there is a there's a kind of a maturation there that's like you know, when you've never had a like if you're in a relationship and you've never really had a fight with somebody before, the prospect of fighting can be really intimidating because sure. you think, what if that what if that's the end of it? You know, let's put this off as long as possible. Whereas once you know, with a little maturation, and you realize, oh no, no, we can get through that. We can fight and then eventually move on, and it might be unpleasant for a while. But like you said, that long, having a long-term, you know, goal of I'm not going anywhere. You know, this I know this is good to be committed to, and so that's that's what I'm going to do, even in the in, in spite of it being hard at times. Like that's, I mean, it really is like a, you know, a maturity that I think only comes about by having something like grit and going, you know, I I, I keep stealing all of his things before he even comes on the podcast, but. Wes and I were having a conversation about this idea a while back, and he, he talked about, you know, sort of paraphrasing the message of God in the New Testament to the church, saying, you know, you do this with, you you do, you follow Christ alongside my people, other people following Christ, or you don't do it at all. And I'd never thought about it in that way. And that's, yeah, that's, that's also been kind of an inspiration for a lot of things I'm thinking about in, in these conversations is, uh, the urge I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of people worldwide have and I think probably a lot of us have had at one time or another to be spiritual but not religious mm-hmm. and not you know I because then you remove it seemingly you remove all the hard parts <laughs> you remove all the hard parts of being uh, of being a Christian if you will there's a story about an old minister who is is asked you know, hey, you know, it seems like on some level I've heard your sermons, I've I've read your books, you know, you're not on you're not at the same place you were years ago, you know, your views have changed and different things and yet it's you're still at the same church. Like, you know, have there been some areas of conflict or whatever? Like how do you reconcile that? And mm. he simply responded with the idea, well, it's a good boat from which to fish. <laughs> and, you know, basically what he was saying with that is we're all trying to fish. Yeah. 
but we all need a boat to fish from. Yeah. And, you know, our, our bigger motivation should be seeking the lost, right? Yeah. Bringing others to Jesus. Easy to forget that. And, of course, the church is important in its own right and has an important role for our spirituality and an important role for our, you know, interconnectedness. I'm not downplaying that at all. Um, but on some level, it is a vehicle by which we come together for the purpose of reaching out to the world around us. Right. And, you know, heaven forbid when the inner turmoil, while important, while right. worth leaning into, while worth working through and staying committed to, you know, keeps us from casting our nets out, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like... Um, there's a difference between working through something while staying on mission, right? Yeah. And working through something after it's knocked you off course, right? Mm. And I think, and you know, I mean, it's a value that, you know, is praised in, in the secular setting all the time. I mean, you can't read a management or a leadership book that doesn't talk about the benefit of intentional conflict, right? Or right. the benefit of you know, getting away from artificial harmony to use the phrase, uh, right. Yeah. Um, that, that we want to be vulnerable or authentic and, right. and work through all those things, but it's in the context of pursuing whatever the mission of the organization is, mm. right. You know, they're not just getting together to have a, a good happy feely, you know, cry session for the sake of having a happy right. feely cry session, right. They're doing it to lead, for the benefit of organizational health so mm-hmm. that they're able to do what they're meant to do better. Right. Yes. That's in the context of the business world. Right. But there is some application to the church world. Right. Um, you know, it's not, it's not maybe as crass as I just, you know, put it there. Like, you know, I'm not downplaying the, the worthwhile pursuit of a feeling good and comfortable and sure. And at home and, but, and but all you're those be things. intentional about it. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's a part of the reason you're seeking those things. Right. Is so you can move in alignment towards your goals. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's the example of, you know, the rowing team, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just the amount of time spent making sure the oars are in sync. Right is about the rowers of course <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's ultimately about making sure the boat gets to its destination yep yeah <laughs> you know uh, that's good and so we have to keep both in mind and yeah. and i think that that is hard you know especially through you know the last almost two years now that we've mm-hmm. been in is everything around this is pushing us toward an inward mindset yeah you know, just in general, you know, how does this affect me? How does this change over here affect me? Hey, what do you think about X, Y, and Z? Right. You know, when half the things we're being asked to think about, we have no business articulating a view on, right? I, I don't know enough about that, to, right. or I don't have the information I need to render a, a, any kind of firm position on that, you right. know, but that's what everybody's being asked to do and it's yeah. just hard not to import that into our other context of life right it's hard not totally. to to bring that i don't want to say me-centric thinking but just 
you know, everybody around us on some level feels like they're being asked to provide a response to so many right. different things at one point that we can't help but put ourselves behind the wheel, right? Right. Well, and and being asked to be right. We all demand that of ourselves. Sure. Like, I've got to be right. And you know, I keep thinking of this, so many things you just said, and this idea, you know, when the, the apostles are ha- or the disciples rather at the time are having this discussion about who's the greatest. Mm. And so many, so much of the time, Jesus, they have a couple of different interactions like that throughout the gospels. And then Jesus follows up with something along the lines of the la- in my kingdom, the first shall be last, the last shall be first. And, it, and I first, I've never thought about this way before, but somebody thinks you're saying, made me think this, that it's like the willingness to, to, to not put being right as my number one priority, like maybe it's always going to be on the list. Sure. But that idea of, okay, but are we advancing the mission? You know, are we, is the boat headed to the right destination is I, I love thinking in those terms. Cause it's like that, you know, that sort of, that requires something of me regardless of what everybody's doing around me. Cause I think that's, I mean, I think that's part of, in you know, in the last two years, what's been so hard across the globe is, is people feeling like, well, if I, if I could just let people know that I'm right, hmm. then this would be, if, if they could just see that, then this would go better. And it's like, but, but the work is still, what, what, what work is being undone? Well, we're worried about being right. You know, I mean, what, what things could I be doing if I wasn't worried about, you know, being right and being, you know, being a hundred percent, you know, in the know and 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 in in areas like you said that we're all playing catch up on i think ice apocalypse was a good example of that yeah you know like man we could sit around and figure out all the different ways that ERCOT or whatever that is mess that up or we could sit there and think all right everybody's power's out yeah how can i help somebody Mm. you know we could have you know dissected the solutions from our or nice red armchairs, right? <laughs> or we could have said, okay, in this moment, in a situation in which I literally have no direct control, you know, I think right. probably each one of us has come home at some point and been like, I'm going to run for something, right? You know, or I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna try to do this or that. To, if only I was in charge instead right. of saying, hey, you know, there's only so many spheres that I really have influence over. What am I going to do in the areas in which I can have an impact? And, you know, it, that's leadership too, right? Mm-hmm. Even though you're not the de facto leader in that particular situation. Right. In the context in which you find yourself in, you have the ability to impact change in a positive way. Yeah. Even if you can't turn the power back on, right? right? Um, you can do something in the midst of of the of the storm, right? In the midst right. of of that particular situation, you can find a way to help somebody. And I think that you know has been you know a lot of that has you know applied to to a myriad of different things this year, in which mm-hmm. we we can affect policy and we can affect. Right. You know some of the larger themes sometimes but we can respond to both circumstances and 
you know, others' responses to circumstances in a way that's God-honoring, in a way that is uh, mission-focused, in a way that has a long-term view to know that uh, we're going to come out of this. And, you know, I'm... I know for me personally, like I found myself being a lot more interested in history during this time period, mm. you know, and what just, was that? well, just, you know, I found it very helpful to watch documentaries and listen to different things about moments in American history that were really bad. And then thinking about the fact that they probably thought there was never going to be another time like this. Right. Yeah, they moved out of it, right? Right. And, and, you know, I think just that helps with some long-term perspective sometimes. That is you know, good, yeah. And you just realize that, you know, there's so many cyclical themes yeah. about human nature and about, you know, just conflict in general. Like, you know, Ecclesiastes is right in the sense that there's nothing new under the sun, yeah. right? There's a different name for it or you know, a different, different context, but yeah, some of the same underpinnings are there. Right. Right. Um, and so I, I found that particularly helpful sometimes when I get discouraged. That's good. I was like hearing that. I was like hearing what, like what interests people have gotten into since some of these things have, have started happening. And, you know, in some cases it meant we had more time and so we had more time to, to find new interests, but I'm always interested to hear what people have gotten into in the in the pandemic times or the ice storm or yeah i wish i had you know learned to play an instrument or something right um did not use my time that well i guess (laughs) history's good though man that's um that that's a really good one and i think you know so much of what we're saying here is like it requires humility like again that that idea of like i you know i gotta be right i gotta be right i gotta be right Every time I've done that, it's the only thing I'm feeding really is my ego. Mm. And then and then things aren't getting done. <laughs> well, Whereas, I think the thing we've learned during all this is, I mean, it's very difficult to hit a moving target. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and that, that's just life in general more often yeah. than not. And that's why we need a, a God that sees the whole board, mm-hmm. right? Because we only see our little slice of it. Right. And... Um, you know it you know and i think and i don't know when this will air but i think everybody should go back and listen to wes's sermon from from whatever that was august 22nd august 22nd uh, oh yeah 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 <laughs> the everything at this point it was this last sunday this last sunday yeah, yeah the his twisted scripture yeah emphasis on everything happens for a reason i mm-hmm. think that was really really good of putting it in a a broader context of yes and no right Right. (laughs) not everything is attributable to what we think it is and not everything also is dependent on our perception of why the dots connected right Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know yeah uh you know garth brooks sings that song about unanswered prayers right Mm -hmm. and he connects certain dots that (laughs) You know, I don't know if they were supposed to be connected, but in his mind, he's able to connect them, right? Right. And so we can do that with what we think God is doing in the world, too. Sure. Uh, We can unintentionally connect dots that are just based on our worldview or narrative or the answers that we're seeking. And even though we say we're giving God credit or 
or even glory for the connection that we've established. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's in line with what God is actually doing in the world. Man, that's such a good point. Cause you could, you, I mean, you could almost say it's like that maybe the greatest glory you can give God is, is trusting that you don't have to, you don't have to know it. You don't have to know the plan. You know, you, 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 you might be blessed enough to know bits and pieces from time to time, but even then it's, it's going to take faith to know that. I mean, you know, even, you know, to use a word like no in our relationship with God, I think is always, it's always a bold thing to do. I wouldn't say it's a wrong thing to do, but it's, I mean, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, it, it takes a tremendous amount of faith to do any of what we're doing. (laughs) Well, and, and that, you know, I think for, for guys especially, but I think for all people, you know, that manifests itself in our continual struggle with prayer. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, one of, one of my favorite definitions of prayer is appealing prayer is appealing for God to be God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, no matter what That's else good. we said, how we said it, when right. we said it. Yeah. The tacit acknowledgement of the whole process is saying you are God and I am not. Yeah. And that enough is alone. Right. Or that right. that <laughs> right. you know, alone is enough. Right, right. To, to make it a worthwhile thing to do. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know it's, it's funny you bring that up because I was just thinking about that idea. You know, when Paul goes, he's preaching on Mars Hill and he, you know, he looks out at their, the Greeks' idols and he sees mm-hmm. all of these, you know, they're worshiping every, a God for everything you can think of. And, and he sees the unknown God and he says, let me tell you about this one that you, you know, I can see you're religious enough to recognize he's out there, but, you know, you may, you don't know anything about him. And I was thinking about the idea that, you know, every once in a while in the church we'll talk about you know modern idolatry but it's like that's a real thing and i like that depiction of like there's a god for everything because it's like oh rest assured you're worshiping something rest assured you're putting something as highest and the point of you know the point of the jewish people's faith in in the old testament and then the point of of christ's reformation of that and fulfillment of that in christianity is you place God at the highest. Like you said, it's, it's the recognition of God is the highest God's above everything. I may, you know, be drawn to this. I may be, you know, pulled in these directions, but at the end of the day, I'm going to make, I'm going to put God in God's place. And I like that. I like that definition of prayer too. I've never thought about that. Um, What's so incredible about, you know, the Mars Hill, you know, discourse is, is by having awareness of the role of God, you are better able to see and articulate the things that are vying for that position in our lives, Mm. right? Until you fully grasp the full nature of of God as provider, of God as creator, restorer, you know, go on and on and on, you know, and and we'll never fully grasp it, right? But until we see, you know, the holistic role that he's meant to play in our lives, we won't recognize all the other things in our lives that we try to fill those holes with, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, Paul is acknowledging to them, like, on some level, you've come to that conclusion. Right. right. You've even got this unknown God, but you're trying to make sure you fit every single need 
with some individual like right. deity, right? When hey, no, there's just one, right? Right. And and he does all of these things for us. And hey, wait, it's in a better way than you've even begun to understand. Right, right? than any one of these entities that yeah. you could come up with. Hey, yeah. These are futile. Right. In in relation to the one true God. Right? Yeah. And and it's a message that, you know, on some level always resonates because any extended time of introspection you will recognize (laughs) the things that you're trying to do to fill those holes right if it's true introspection right if you're really being honest with yourself right you know it doesn't take very long to fill up a piece of paper with some things that are vying for our hearts right oh that's good um and so it's a continual journey, uh, but it's also a continual open door into the lives of others, right? Yeah. Um, because How do you mean? I think on some level, like, we think that we have to reinvent the wheel about how we talk about God, but if, yeah, you know, to use the classic, you know, idea of you know, the God-shaped hole, right? Yeah. You know, every person intrinsically is made with an acknowledgement mm-hmm. that there is a God, right? I, I truly believe that we all have that within us. Me too, yeah. Um, you know, that beginning with the heart, um, even more than some abstract philosophical proposition or some, you know, well-presented scriptural argument, you know. Right. You know, often hitting people with things that intersect with where they really are as a person uh, is natural and and a gift that God gave us as a pointer back to Him, right? You right. know, we think about loneliness, we think about guilt, when we think about you know, lack of peace, you know, all those things are really God-given reminders of the world that we were created to live in, one that's full of peace, one that's full of relationships that are fulfilling, one that's full of, you know, whatever the inverse is of whatever element of the fallen or broken world that you're experiencing there is an inverse to that, Mm. you know? Yeah. And it flows from being connected to God in a holistic way, right? We're to love him with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Hey, guess what? That also, that disposition should lead to loving ourselves correctly. Mm -hmm. And Oh, Hey, that disposition is essential to loving others in a healthy way. Right. It's just this beautiful, you know, connected thing that, that yeah. all comes out of aligning ourselves fully with God, with the role that he's supposed to play in our lives and with his purposes for the world, right? Yeah. Uh, that's what leads to uh, the abundant life, both, you know, in heaven one day, in the second coming, in the, you know, in the in the new creation, but also in, in the kingdom come reality that we're in right now. Yeah. You know? You can live into aspects of the abundant life for sure.
if we do any more, I'm going to, I'm going to, my, my head's going to explode. <laughs> that was real good. Well, it's been good, man. Thanks yeah. for, thanks for having me on. Thanks for coming on. Yeah. So uh, that's a wrap. The old red chair sesh. The old red chair sesh. I know. I hope it becomes a thing. I hope people, I hope I'll.